Hello, good morning. This is Rick Pina. I'm bringing you today's word for May 23rd, 2022. And so I'm teaching a series on God's grace and our faith. And for the last four weeks, uh, we basically laid the foundation for this series on teaching about God's love and how faith works by love. And so now that part is over, uh, but I'm going to continue to teach on God's grace and our faith. I'm really just getting started on that. So this is God's grace and our faith part 21. And the title of today's message is God has a part and we have a part. When you're talking about God's grace in our faith, God has a part and we have a part. Get ready for the word. All right, let's, let's get into the word for this morning. But before I do, let me just say something. I mentioned before I basically started today's message this morning for the people that were watching live, uh, I mentioned the fact that uh, when Isabella jumped on and I saw that Isabella was watching live, it did something for me. So uh, this is not part of the message, but I'm just going to slide this in for free, especially for all the ladies that are married on the call. I've heard it said, and I believe this, that inside of every husband is both a king and a fool and your husband will become whichever one you speak to. And so if, if you, inside of every man, there's a king and a fool, and you got to speak to the one that you want. Don't, don't speak to the fool because the fool will show up. But if you believe in your husband, and the same thing can be said for husbands over our, our, our wives, you have to speak life and blessing over your spouse. Like you, you're connected to them for life. And so never speak negative over your spouse or your children. Let no corrupt communication proceed from out of your mouth, but only that which is good to the use of edifying that you may minister grace to one another. Say amen to that. All right. So now let me get into the word. Uh, that was free. All right. So uh, God's grace, our faith, uh, part 21. God has a part. We have a part. Still, same scriptures we're looking at. John 1 and 14, John 1 and 17. The Bible says in John 1 and 14, the word became flesh and he dwelt among us. And we were able to behold his glory. It is the glory of the only begotten of the Father who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 17, the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came through the Lord Jesus Christ. So what does this mean for you today? I actually have four things I want to share with you this morning. And it's almost like I'm starting the series all over again because I spent a whole month teaching about the love of God. But I'm laying the foundation for God's grace and our faith. And I'm still going to talk about love today because God is love. And so... As I'm getting into this, this is almost like foundational stuff, like a faith refresher. Amen? Let's do it. Number one, God does, God does what he does for you because he loves you. Put that in the chat. Put God loves me. Put, put God loves me and I know it. Man, I, when you get convinced that God loves you with this unconditional and everlasting love, it just changes you forever. We just spent a whole month learning about the love of God. We just spent a whole month learning about how much uh, our faith has to be rooted and grounded in God's grace. Let, let's look at a couple of scriptures on this. The first one is John 3, 16. Very familiar scripture, probably the most familiar scripture in the world. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This is foundational this morning. This is not, you know, so don't think it, this is foundational, but guess what? Sometimes we have to go back to the basics. And so here, we're going back to the basics. Here's the basics. God is love. Say God is love. God is love, right? And, and, and watch this. Not only is God love, but 
love gives, right? So let me let me say this about love. Uh, when I was at uh, Genia, I see Genia Anglin uh, is on. So Genia, your pastor, who used to be my pastor 27 years ago, uh, Pastor S.L. Moten, he used to say, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. Oh, man. And so when you think about that, that's true. You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. Love gives. Love is always focused on the other person. That's why the opposite of God's love is not hate. The opposite of God's love is selfishness. God is not selfish at all because he is love. He personifies love. He's always thinking about us. So John 3, 16 teaches us that God so loved the world. I mean, he loved us. His motivation was love. And he so loved the world that he gave, love gives. He gave his only begotten son. God so loved us that he gave his only, I mean, his only begotten son. And then Jesus loved us so much that he willingly suffered a brutal death for us. And then watch this. He came, he stripped himself of, of his divinity, came as in the form of a human, was born of a virgin and lived a sinless life, suffered, bled, died, and then rose again from the dead for us. He paid a price that we could not pay for a debt that he didn't even owe. And why did he do it? Because he loves us, because love gives. Love is always giving. And now the Holy Spirit is in us. And the Holy Spirit is more committed to us than we're committed to us. And the Holy Spirit is committed to being with us and, uh, until the end of the age, until we go on to, to glory, right? And so the Holy Spirit is with us forever. And he is committed to us simply because he loves us. So the more you study the love of God, the more you study God himself, the more you are going to get a revelation and revelation and revelation of God's love. God does everything he does for us simply because he loves us and love is always giving. Love gives. Say that. Say love gives. Love gives. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. Romans 5 and 8, the Bible says that God demonstrated. God, is, God didn't just give us lip service. God put his love on display. God demonstrated his love for us that for while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So it's it's like, you know, I can understand if, if we were right, if you were doing right, like, you know, Paul was basically saying, maybe I could somewhat understand that if you, if somebody's going out of their way to bless you, maybe you want to bless them, but that's not the case with God. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That means that he died. He sent his son to die for us as an act of his unearned grace. And grace is a gift. Put that in the chat. Put grace is a gift. Grace is unearned. It is unmerited. It is a gift. It is the gift of God. And you cannot work for a gift. I told you this before, but remember, today is foundational. Uh, you can't work for a gift. If I'm giving you a gift and you try to work for it, I'm giving you a gift. How much can I give you for it? What? I'm giving you a gift. Well, what can I do to deserve it? What? I'm giving you... Well, then Romans 11 and 6 says, if you try to work for a gift, then the gift is no longer a gift, right? I mean, grace is a gift and you can't work for a gift. If you try to work for a gift, then you're, you're making the gift no longer a gift. And so, so no, grace is a gift. You can't work for a gift. What can you do with a gift? All you can do with a gift is receive it. God has given us eternal life, grace. God sent his son for us, grace. What, what can you do with a gift? Receive it. So God's love towards you is grace-based. It's not performance-based. It's not works-based. You did nothing to cause God to start loving you and nothing you will ever do could ever make him stop. So, so what did, okay, let me ask you a question. What did we do to cause God to want to send his own son? Nothing to die for us, right? What did, 
we do to cause Jesus to want to die in our place? The answer is nothing. What did we do to cause the Holy Spirit to want to live inside of us despite our faults and our flaws and our failures? The answer is nothing. See, what you think about this, it is the love of God and love is always giving. It is the love of God. It is the grace of God. It is unearned, unmerited, undeserved. I told you for weeks that I need you to disconnect, disconnect, detach, decouple your faith from your performance because that's the only way you'll be able to believe what God believes about you. God, God's love is one-sided. He loves you. He sent his son to die for you. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you simply because God loves you and it's all grace, it's all unmerited, it's all deserved. It's not about you. It's all about him. You got it? All right, number two. God calls people to their purpose by his grace and not our performance. Once again, this is foundational teaching. I've taught you a lot of this before, but I'm gonna just reinforce it. So God calls people to their purpose, the purpose that he established in his heart from the foundations of the world. He does this by grace and not our performance. Let me give you three examples this morning. Three. Genesis 12, 1, 2, and 3. This is Abraham as an example. The Bible says, the Lord said to Abram, this is what I want you to do. Leave your country. Leave your people. Leave your family. Go to a country that I will show you. I will build a great nation out of you. I will bless you and make your name famous. Now, people will use your name to bless other people. Like your name is going to be so amazing that people will invoke your name when they are invoking a blessing. And then like, like Abraham was like, what? For real? He's like, yeah, I will bless those that bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And I will use you to bless all the families of the earth. There's a whole lot of I wills from God, right? So whose idea was that? Oh, that was God's idea. What did Abraham do to deserve it? Nothing as far as we know. Does the Bible say anything about him working for it or earning it or deserving it or doing anything right? No, the Bible doesn't say anything about that. Who initiated the contact? God did. Who did, did Abraham pursue God? No. Did Abraham release his faith? No. Did Abraham believe and receive? No. Abraham did nothing. Who initiated the contact? God did. What did, did, did Abraham perform? No, not as far as we know. All we know about Abraham was he was an idol worshiper who lived among idol worshipers. <laughs> That's it. That's all we know. So God did not bless Abraham because he earned it. God did not bless Abraham because he deserved it. God blessed Abraham because God made plans for Abraham from the foundations of the world, and God loved Abraham. And when God came to Abraham, he was like, I will, I will, I will, I will. This is what I chose to do. I called you. I chose you. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I want to make your name great. I'm going to exalt you. Out through you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. When people are going to be able to use your name and call out the blessing of Abraham. They're going to invoke blessings on people with your name. And that's because I chose to do it. You didn't choose to do it. I chose to do it. God made plans for us from the foundations of the world. What is true for Abraham? Abraham is true for Rick Pena. What is true for Abraham is true for you. It's all about him. It's not about us. Say amen to that. All right, let me give you another example. You're like, well, okay, Rick, that's one example. Okay, I'll give you another one. Exodus 3 and verse 10. Uh, this is the Lord speaking to Moses. The Lord says, so now I'm sending you to Pharaoh. Go, 
you're going to lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. If you read the whole passage, he's basically saying, listen, I've heard the cries of my people. I've seen the mistreatment that they have. As a matter of fact, there's some land that I promised, promised their forefathers to give them some 400 years ago. I had a conversation with a man named Abraham some 400 years ago, and I made a promise to him, and now it's time to bring that promise to pass. So you, son, Moses, I need you to go and tell these people, go speak to Pharaoh, the man that you grew up with, and tell him, let my people go. I've chosen you to go lead millions of people out of bondage, right? What did Moses do to earn that? Nothing. As a matter of fact, Moses at this point in his life was a murderer. Think about that for a minute. He was a murderer. He was living in exile in the wilderness, thinking that he had disqualified himself from his life's assignment. Let me explain. He grew up in Pharaoh's house. He grew up, he was a Jew growing up under the palace of the Pharaoh. And so he was clothed like an Egyptian, right? He had to learn how to walk like an Egyptian, right? But at the end of the day, on the inside, he knew he was not an Egyptian. And so there was something on the inside that was calling him to something greater for the Jews. He knew he was called to the Jews, even though he looked like an Egyptian. But on the inside, he knew he was called to do something special for the Jews. And because of this calling on the inside, one day he got out ahead of God and he killed the man. And because he killed the man, he was then exiled and he was living in the wilderness for 40 years, beating himself up, thinking he had wrecked his life, thinking he had derailed himself from his own destiny, thinking he had messed up and he's out there for 40 years. And in that moment, wallowing in pity, he's beating himself up after 40 years of living in the wilderness, God shows up in a burning bush. And God says, I have heard the cries of my people. I already promised these people this land. I promised this thing to Abraham 400 years ago. I will deliver them out. I will take them into the land. He says, listen, I'm going to do two things. I will lead them out of Egypt and I will lead them into the land flowing with milk and honey. How many things is that? That's two things. He says, I will lead them out and I will lead them in. And your assignment is to lead them out. In the same conversation where he says, I'm going to lead them out. I'm going to lead them in. That's two things. Your assignment is to lead them out. That's one thing. Let me just slide this in for free. God, when people say, oh, Moses didn't make it in because he struck the rock twice. So God took back. No, God never told them. If you look at Exodus chapter three, God said, I'm going to do two things. I'm going to lead them out. I'm going to lead them in. And your job is just leading them out. That's your job. I got somebody else named Joshua for the, for the other part. So, so all your part is, is just leading them out. That's it. God never told him he was going to go into the promised land. God said, your job is to lead him out. But here's my point. He wasn't qualified to lead him out. He, he, he thought he had wrecked his life. He, he was living in exile. He was beating himself up. He thought he was like, oh my God, what am I done? But, but God says, no, son, I made plans for you from the foundations of the world. The reason why they were trying to kill you when you were a baby, the reason why you had to wind up living not with your mama, but in Pharaoh's house is because the greater the assignment, the greater the attack. I've called you to do something great. And that's why the enemy has been trying to wipe you out. That's why you, you, you out here and you're beating yourself up. But, but I'm not going to allow your wallow and your pity and your pain to cause me to disquat. No, I'm calling you by grace. I call you because I love you. And so you're still going to go back and you're still going to lead them out and you're still going to be the man that I called you to be. That's the grace of God. Say amen to that. You got it? All right. Let me give you another example. Uh, Paul, the apostle Paul. So the Bible says in Acts chapter nine, I hope you're getting this. Acts chapter nine, I'm going to begin, begin reading at verse three. So Saul, this is Saul of Tarsus. He was known as Saul of Tarsus at the time. So Saul went to Damascus and he came to a city 
And while he was coming up to the city, a bright light from heaven, boom, suddenly shined around him. And when it did, it knocked him off his high horse. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice from heaven saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul said, who are you? Lord. And the voice answered, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. And get up now and go into the city and someone there will tell you what you must do. And then later God sent some, he sent him to straight street to get straight. And then God sent somebody to him. And then he revealed to him all the things that he was going to have to do. But let's talk about Paul for a minute. What did Paul do to earn this call? Remember, this is the apostle Paul who wrote half the New Testament. Remember, this is the apostle Paul who went on four missionary journeys, four of the most impactful missionary journeys that have ever been led, right? This is that Apostle Paul. Now, that same Apostle Paul, before God called him, was a terrorist. That same Apostle Paul, before God called him, was having Christians killed. He was too young when like the very first Christian martyr was being killed, the assassination of Stephen. He was too young to, to throw the rocks so he was complicit in the murder because he held the coats of the men that were there. And then later, when he was old enough, he actually led the crusades against Christians and Christianity, and he was complicit in hundreds, if not thousands of murders. And this is the guy that God says, okay, the same cause that you're fighting against, I'm going to call you to lead it. Let that sink in for a minute. The next time you think you're, you're not qualified, think about that for a minute. God called this man, even though he was a terrorist, because God says, and then later he wrote, God called me from my mother's womb. God called me from the foundations of the world. It's not about me. It's all about him. Listen, many of us were taught that God blesses us because of our faith. Many of us were taught that God blesses us because of our performance. Many of us taught that God blesses us if we're good. But the truth is, God blesses us because God chose to bless us from the foundations of the world. True faith is a response to God's grace. True faith just says yes to God, whatever it is, and no matter how immeasurably good it seems. Can you imagine the Apostle Paul saying, you're calling me to lead the cause that I'm fighting against? I mean, come on, that's crazy. But that's how God, that's how good God is. It's almost when you get up, when you wrap your mind and your heart around grace, grace is almost too good to be true. But it is true because it's the heart of God. All right, number three. I got four things. Number three, here's a quick faith refresher for this morning on this Monday morning. What faith is not? Faith is not you telling God what to do. Let's get that out of the way. Faith is not you trying to get God to put a yes on your plans. Faith is not you commanding God. Because who are you to command God? Come on, let's be honest with you. Uh, so what is faith? Faith is God trying to get you to put a yes on his plans. Faith says yes to God's grace, right? Faith is you making an alignment with your divine assignment, right? Faith is what happens when you as a human, when humans have the audacity to believe the, the crazy thing that God is revealing, right? Without any sense realm evidence to support it. Like, hey, this is what God said I believe is going to happen. Oh, for real? Yeah. Do you have the money? Uh-uh. Mm -mm. No. Do you have the education? No. Oh, no. No. Do you have the connections? No. Do you have anything? Do you have a bank statement? You have no. No. So what? But 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 so what do you have? I have what God said. I don't have any sense from evidence to support it. But I can tell you, I know what God said to me, and it's going to come to pass. And so without any sense, matter of fact, I may even have sense from evidence that is against it. 
but I'm not moved by what I see. The unseen is more real to me than the seen. And now faith is, is me providing corresponding action that is going to receive what God has revealed to me. So let me say it this way. Faith peers into God's realm, which is heaven, and God's dimension, which is eternity, and then comes back, right? I, I'm saying, I'm, I'm, I'm peering into God's realm, heaven, and God's dimension, eternity. Where am I doing it from? I'm doing it from my realm, which is the earth, and my dimension, which is time. So I'm peering into heaven and eternity from the earth and time. And then I come back from that, and then I operate or I make decisions and actions that, that are based on what God revealed from eternity and from heaven, even though I'm living in the earth in time. And so now I'm making decisions down here based on what God revealed to me from up there. And when I do that, people may think like, whoa, that's kind of crazy. That's dumb. You shouldn't do that because the things of the spirit of God, they seem like foolishness to the people down here in this world. You got to understand that God is operating on a different level. Faith requires revelation. You got to be able to hear from God first. Let me ask you a question. Did Abraham come up with the plan? The answer is no. Whose plan was it? It was God's plan. Did Moses come up with the plan? No, he didn't. Whose plan was it? It was God's plan. Did Paul come up with the plan for his life? Of course not. It was God's plan. And, and so it's the same thing with you. If you come up with it, it will be too small for God. If God comes up with it, it will be too big for you. And so faith is believing what God believes about you. Say amen to that. All right, number four. And finally, let me close with uh, a couple of quick things here. Let me give you three quick takeaways from this message, and then we'll continue on this tomorrow. You ready? All right, three things. God's plan for your life was established before the world began, and it was established by grace. It was birthed in God's heart from the foundations of the world. And God did this only because he loves you. God, And then now what he's doing now is he's revealing his plans to you, and he wants you to embrace it and pursue it and believe it by faith because he's provided the grace. And so he's revealing all these things to you because he loves you unearned, unmerited, undeserved, that's grace. And now he wants you to release the faith. Faith is not about you trying to get God to give you what you came up with in your heart. Faith is actually God trying to get you to be fully persuaded of what he came up with in his heart before the world began. And so when God reveals to you what he planned to do in your life by grace, when he does that, now you are authorized. So that revelation is the authorization for your faith. Now, when God reveals to you what he wants to do, you are authorized to use your faith to lay hold of it. So faith is something you say. Faith is something you do. Faith is a seed you sow based on what God revealed to you about your future. It is future to you, but it's past to him. For him is already done. And for us, is only a matter of time. You got it? This was just a refresher today. This was foundational stuff. I'm going over some stuff, but I hope that you're getting this. And then, of course, I'll keep flowing in the same vein tomorrow. Let's close this message out with a declaration of faith. I want you to lift up your voice and speak this over your life. Say, Father, you made plans for me before the world began. You did this simply because you love me. Jesus died on the cross for my sin. He did that because he loves me. Now the Holy Spirit has taken up residence inside of me. And he's committed to me, even though I do sometimes do things that grieve him. He will never leave me because he loves me. So I am convinced 
that you love me, Father. I am fully persuaded of your love. It is because of your love for me and your tireless dedication to me that I'm able to walk in confidence because my confidence is not in me. My confidence is in your immeasurable grace. So my faith says yes to your grace. My faith says yes to the plans you made for me before the world began. And by faith, I will become the man or woman you destined me to be. I will leave a mark in this world that will not easily be erased. I will leave a mark in this world that will be felt for generations to come. Not because I'm good, but because you are. You provide the grace. I provide the faith. Living this way, greater is coming for me. I declare this by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. This is today's word, so please apply it and prosper. If you're not getting these messages and you want my notes, go to todaysword.org, click on the big red subscribe button, put in your email address. You're going to get all my notes in your email inbox every day for free. Listen, I'm, I'm, this is foundational stuff, but it's really important. You got to understand God's grace and then understand our requirement to walk and live by faith. If this message was a blessing to you, leave me some comments in the chat. I like to read those comments and then share this message right now on your social media, on your timeline, and with your friends. If you enjoy this content and you want more private content from Isabella and I, go check out patreon.com forward slash Rick Pena. Have an amazing day. I'll see you tomorrow morning. Walk in the blessing.